Welcome to the Why It Depends podcast, where we explore anatomical and physiological mechanisms and nuances behind different approaches in the fitness and therapy industries. In today's episode, which is the third of a three-part series on breathing, Stefan and I dive into practical takeaways based off the previous two episodes on the anatomy and physiology of breathing. We discuss our own experiences with the breathing practices we use and the impact that they have had in our lives as well as how you can use various breathing techniques to leverage different aspects of health and performance for yourself and your clients. We hope you enjoy the show. Stefan, my man, how's it going? It's cracking. Not too much, dude. Yeah. yeah. How you been? Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, same old? Yeah, same old stuff. You ready for this? Yes, sir. Looking forward to, uh, to getting into a little bit more of the, 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 uh, the practice, the practical stuff. Practical side. But before yeah. that, we have our fun facts and health hacks with Stefan and Zach. <laughs> better than last week? Getting better, huh? Way better. <laughs> Way better. That's awesome. Do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this one uh, is regarding the nervous system um, so the, and, and electromagnetism, actually. So there's some interesting laws regarding uh, electromagnetism that sort of link uh, like almost like a what's called like an electromagnetic flux, which is essentially just like an aura of of uh, potential energy around a coil or a closed loop of an electrical circuit. Um, so as a, a current passes through like a, a wire, it then generates a uh, an electromagnetic sort of sphere or or sort of like aura around that uh, around that wire. Um, and as soon as the, the, the current passes through, it's, it's there, but as soon as it's gone, it's, it's sort of off. So as the electrical charge passes through and changes sort of from an on and off kind of uh, uh, sort of ener- energetic state or whatever, this aura or electro- electromagnetic sort of frequencies exists around it. Um, and so the, the central nervous system and the, the, the nervous system as a whole, um, the peripheral one as well, uh, is essentially just a closed loop of sort of signals going back and forth, um, changing then the electrical potential within that that uh, within those wires, which are your nerves. Um, and so the uh, the electromagnetic field that is generated by your nerves actually serves a pretty significant purpose um, in terms of signaling uh, different cells to you know for secretions. Uh, different uh, it, it holds in uh, charge, so it pulls or reflect or repels different ions um, in, in the, the, in the body and the uh, intracellular fluid and the extracellular fluid as well. Um, So it has a massive effect on cell signaling, immune, uh, immune function uh, and just general function as well, which is super cool. That is so wild. Yeah. So so there's like this aura around the the nerve or the current um, and then that sort of electromagnetic field. Is that essentially what that is? Yeah. Um, Electromagnetic field. Yeah is then affecting other other nerves that's not even in contact with it um like even like fluid wise like environmentally it's just or um yeah environmentally it's just the actual like field coming off them is what you're saying yeah yeah 100 that, that's it, so freaking cool because cool. when you think about like what we learn in our traditional sort of like uh like phys phys books when we're talking about um like the exchange of of uh, the ions in and out of the the um the, the nerve as it's traveling through, there's always sort of like a sudden exchange, which then creates a, a registered impulse, which then sends is the, the, the information packet uh, of electricity that is sent elsewhere to act on other areas. 
but there has to be a certain amount of basal activity, like what you had mentioned in, in like one of our other podcasts where there's, as you sleep, there's a basal amount of activity of oscillatory muscle tension that helps govern blood, blood control. Similarly, there's a certain underlying level of, of like basal activity within the nerve that, uh, that helps maintain organization of the, of like potassium, calcium, uh, and sodium and, and other, you know, all the other ions and stuff that, that pass through in and out the nerve. Um, because if there wasn't that certain amount of basal energy or electricity passing through, there wouldn't be then that electromagnetic field. And then all those little ions would just start to diffuse into, into the extracellular fluid. So there's always a little bit amount of charge and, and energy being passed through the, the, the neuronal loops to maintain that organization. So then when there is a, a you know, a big uptick in the electricity, then to send a signal along, those ions are ready and available in the place that they need to be to facilitate that change. That's so cool. Yeah. Super um, cool. And I remember you'd said, uh, when you explained this to me kind of before is that, um, it's not necessarily like the size of the current that, that increases the, like the field there, it was something else. What, what, it's what, the, yeah, it's like, the, it's not about like the size of it. It's whether, you know, it's the change in this state. So if, it, if there was very little to then a lot, then you have an increased uh, sort of electromagnetic field. If there was nothing and then there's something, then there's an increased uh, electromagnetic field. Um, so it's not so much necessarily about the degree to which it changes. It's just the degree of change. That's so that, cool. That is relevant to it. So yeah, super cool. And it's interesting. Like you hear people talk about, you know, like, people have auras about them or like yeah. uh, meridians in, in Chinese uh, traditional medicine and um, like these lines of energy um, that could like, there might be a tie into what you're describing here potentially. Big time. Yeah. That's so cool. it's, it's a really interesting facilitating piece that they're really only starting to tap into because the, the, the some older models in, in research of like how the nervous system sort of works and interacts, it, it excluded a lot of detail that we knew knew existed. Um, so they're only now mathematically looking into that detail to confirm it um, experimentally. So it's really kind of cool stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, health hack today, uh, trying to keep it on category with what we're talking about. So using breathing techniques before, during and after exercise to improve performance and recovery. So the study that I'm uh, uh, particularly talking about was looking at hyperventilation aided recovery for extra repetitions on uh, bench press and leg press. Uh, so they looked at 11 uh, trained individuals looking at the recovery on lifting repetitions and joint velocity. So with just a 30 second of either hyperventilation or they used uh, controlled breathing, but with that 30 second hyperventilation uh, recovery in between these sets, they saw a 20 to 50, 55% increase in the repetitions and then a six to 15% increase in the, in the joint velocity um, or no reductions from the, the last set. Which so it was either, it was either like no change or like it was going to yeah. really work for you. Yeah. That's which is, good. which is so cool. Um, yeah. And it's so interesting, like based off of what we talked about in our physio uh, physiology aspect of this. Mm -hmm. It's so, so the, the study describes it as what they think is going on is that um, I always say this wrong. Al alkalosis. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, God yeah, for yeah. Stefan. I'd be messing up all these words. Uh, so alkalosis, they think it's, a, it's because of the relative pH change. So when you're exercising, you have all those metabolic wastes and these hydrogen ion buildup. Um, and then with this hyperventilation, you're breathing off, like we talked about, these 
um, through that uh, CO2 transport, you're breathing off a lot of the, the hydrogen ion. So that's what they think is happening. Um, but it's interesting, but because if you're breathing off all those hydrogen ions and you're breathing off um, your carbon dioxide, then, you know, the affinity for oxygen increases. And now all of a sudden your tissues can't get as much oxygen. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's, there's gotta be a balance here or, or maybe it's just really that you're amping up your sympathetic nervous system. And because, you know, you're getting more drive um, from that system, um, yeah. maybe like vasodilation from that system in, in the muscles or whatever, it might be more from that aspect. Yeah. Um, but so, so cool. Yeah, that is. It's, yeah. and it's so simple too, like to have like a, you know, a sudden, such a sudden change in your, in your capacity, uh, like for something as big as like a, a lift as a bench press or, or a leg press, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty wicked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, anytime you do any hyperventilation though, I will say, uh, be careful because there is a chance you could pass out. So make sure that you're, you're sitting or <laughs> you're not, uh, yeah, you don't uh, have to wait on over you while you're doing it. What's the, uh, you're not op operating heavy machinery or whatever. Yeah, 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 make yeah. sure you're in, a, you're in a safe spot. Cause there's always that, uh, potential there's of, risk. uh, passing out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So we're getting into, into our breathing practices and, and, uh, different techniques, methods, and however else you want to classify it. There's, there's, you know, a thousand and one under the sun. So there's, mm -hmm. you know, I guess the, the thing that we were really looking to get at was to explore some of our, our background with it. Some of the, the things that, you know, our thoughts on, on some of the different methods and, um, cause each one has its value, uh, depending on what you're going for, which is, I guess, kind of the, the root of, of the, the podcast as a whole. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. Where, where did you get a start with your, all of your breathing practices and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, um, about three or four years ago, my parents who are some of the most adventurous people that I, that I know on this planet, uh, they sold their house, sold their cottage, bought a boat and took this boat from, uh, Penetang Bay, which is on Georgia Bay all the way to the Bahamas. Holy smokes. You can do that. Yeah, apparently. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've took like... geography since grade 10, but apparently you can pull that off. Wow, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, so they spent... buy a boat. Yeah. <laughs> so freaking cool. Um, so they spent uh, about a year there and, and uh, they came back. But uh, while they were there, my dad calls me on the phone. And anybody who knows, you know, my dad personally, uh, who's listening to this, knows that this guy loves to fish. Um, nice. So through their trip, they met lots of people. Um, and then they met, uh, some individuals who introduced my dad to free dive spear fishing. Oh, that's sick. So what this is, is, uh, um, you're taking a spear down anywhere from 10 to, you should see some of these free divers, how deep they can go, yeah. but like a couple hundred feet. Some of these guys, um, oh my God. yeah, it's so crazy without a tank, you're holding your breath, you're diving down, you know, clearing your ears until you get to this, uh, area where you can spear a fish or a lobster or something like that. Yeah. Um, so my dad calls me cause I was planning a trip to go uh, up there over Christmas. And he's like, I just found the most fun fishing activity there is on the planet. I need you to practice uh, your ability to hold your breath. Cool. Yeah. So uh, from that, I did like a little bit of research. And the first thing I came across um, was Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method. Right. Uh, so before I like start talking about this stuff, I'm not certified in any of these breathing techniques. Um, I'll make sure I link them all in the show notes if you want to go check out uh, how to actually do them or uh, classes you can take or things like that. Um, but yeah, so I came across Wim Hof. And if you have not checked this guy out, you have to check this guy out. 
yeah. some of the stuff this this individual has accomplished, like climbing a Mount Everest in his underwear, uh, <laughs> and a marathon in the desert uh, without drinking water. Jeez, I didn't know that one. Yeah, like all this crazy, crazy stuff. He's in like the Guinness Book World of Records for all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I came across his Sound breathing freak. technique. Yeah. And I thought I had it all figured out. So you do his breathing technique, and there's like, it's not really hyperventilation. Like hyperventilation is described as uh, fast, shallow breathing, mm. where the Wim Hof method, how I would describe it, um, is fast, deep breathing for, for a period of time. So you do like 30 to 60, you know, fast, deep breaths, and then you breathe out on an exhale and you just hold and wait um, until you feel the slightest urge to inhale. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you, you uh, inhale. So I did it for the first time. And so before this, I, I could hold my breath under a minute. Uh, but after this breathing exercise, just doing it for the first time, I held my breath for three, it's like three and a half minutes just from Ooh. doing that hyperventilation. That's nuts. So yeah, I called my dad back. I was like, listen, this is, this is where it's at. This is the breathing technique that uh, is going to be able to allow us to hold our breath and, and all that. So he, he got into it. Uh, we, were, we were both doing it almost every day. Uh, That's super cool. Thought we had it figured out. So then I go and visit him in the Bahamas. Um, and it's just a completely different experience than, than I thought. So we did a couple of Wim Hofs up top. We go into the water. Um, number one, the water's cold, right? So mm. you, and you're in the water. So you get something called the mammalian dive reflex, which is just all these kind of physiological um, changes that occur because like water, cold water's touched your face. Yeah. Um, there's movement involved. Um, so, yeah. You're producing CO2 naturally as we yeah. discussed earlier, increasing yeah, that exactly. drive. So there's all these factors. Like I thought, yeah. I was like, watch this. I'm going to go down under the water for three yeah. minutes, like catch I all these fish. The biggest fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You get three so, on one spear. Yeah. I could barely, <laughs> you know, like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And I was coming back. Wow. Up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, we, we went in more shallow water, probably like 10, 15. Uh, I'll throw some pictures in the show notes. Like Super we caught cool. uh, a whole bunch of, I think we got nine lobster one day, a <sighs> seven pound lobster and just had like a lobster oh. buffet. Oh my boat. gosh. That's crazy. Such an awesome experience. That's really cool. Um, I was, do they sorry. like the, out of, so, I mean, we, we got, you know, the, the Wim Hof technique as, as a really good way to, to build up that, that ability. What before then, I mean, people have been doing it and diving and, and all that sort of business for, for ages. Yeah. Like, were there any sort of techniques or any methods that your dad or that you had learned while like from, from some of the guys that, that showed him the spear fishing, the, 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 the breath hole diving and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so what do they do. So like the mistake I made was thinking I had it figured out with just the Wim Hof method, because you get this um, small period where you can hold your breath on an exhale for a long time, but it's not the same as, as the situation you are in the water. It's not, you're not really improving your CO2 tolerance necessarily um, right. because during that, you know, 30, 60 breaths, you're breathing off a lot of your CO2. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's no CO2. So you don't have that respiratory center telling you to take a breath. So it feels like you can, right. um, but yeah, my dad was talking to, you know, a lot of, uh, individuals who, who were showing him some techniques. Um, when I came back, I did a little bit more research into, um, uh, like podcasts, like the Ben Greenfield podcast had a lot of great shows, Patrick McCowan, um, mm -hmm. you know, like the boundless book, um, and then found some more breathing techniques that were better equipped for actually changing that CO2 tolerance. And right. they're not crazy complicated to literally just spending time practicing, holding your breath and building that CO2 tolerance. Yeah. 
So there's something called apnea tables. Um, so you either train the lack of CO2 or you train the excessive, uh, or sorry, the lack of oxygen or the excessive CO2. Mm -hmm. So if you shorten um, the time between breath holds while the hold itself remains constant, that's what they would call uh, CO2 training. Um, so you're almost like you're, you're not giving your body the chance to exhale the CO2. It then just stays in your system. Exactly. And you're just trying to suppress that. And then your, your tissues just sort of have to deal with it and mm -hmm. adapt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the other side of that would be the O2 training, which is the hold increases every set, but yeah. the rest remains constant. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So it is so, super simple. Yeah, it, it is so simple. Um, and I didn't really understand what, what I was doing. It was all about being able to hold the breath longer, being able to hold the breath longer. But then yeah. I was noticing, you know, um, like mood changes, like I, mental health was getting better. Uh, my performance in the, in the weight room and uh, uh, my aerobic performance was getting better. Like all, all these things that were happening. And then in the podcast, they were starting to talk about um, the benefits of having a higher CO2 tolerance, not just for being able to hold your breath, yeah. um, which was super interesting. That is. And that led me down a path of, you know, all these different breathing techniques, like, uh, you know, um, what were the one we were just talking about? Box breathing, uh, Box breathing. Yeah, yeah. four, eight breath, uh, four, seven, eight breath, all these different types of breathing where, again, you have a intent in mind. Mm -hmm. And then with that, then you pick your breathing technique because there's that with that specific intent. And then, you know, you, you go about practicing it. Yeah, that's super cool. So you were looking for, you were looking for the adaptations for performance in, in a very specific way, mm -hmm. thought you had it, yeah. implemented it, realized, yeah, I didn't have it all quite. And then, you know, went back, have you been back since and, and tried like sort of the free diving stuff with, with some of the, the new changes in, in, in your training and practice? Yeah. So I, we went the Christmas after and, yeah. uh, was a little bit better. Me and my dad, uh, are just a little bit competitive with each other. <laughs> just a little tiny bit, uh, but he's, he's so much better than I am. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh, definitely noticed. Oh, definitely dead. noticed improvements. Yeah, <laughs> better be. But again, there's just something different than you know, just laying on my floor in my living room doing a breath hold, than you know, being in the water. It's cold. Um, like diving down, you're like there's this level of pressure, um, pressure and compression on your body. You know, right. there's always the thoughts of sharks and like there's just all, all this different, all these different things going on that again, I was maybe getting down. I think the deepest I got was 20 feet and maybe a minute underwater uh, with a breath hold that was around, you know, static apnea uh, breath hold, which just means out of water, not moving around like two and a half, three minutes. Yeah. Um, so that kind of drove me too towards, you know, cold water therapy and, and training cold, uh, getting, uh, getting used to the cold. Just to get um, your, your system acquainted with, with that as a response. Yeah. Sort of and settle then, it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we even did, uh, so me and my dad, and my mom, uh, when they came back, uh, we did a course in Toronto, a free diving course. Cool. Uh, it was like a six week course. You're in the pool, uh, once a week and there was some in class component of it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, the, their, their number one rule, number one rule, guess, guess what this is. What? Never hyperventilate before, before doing a dive. Oh, so, yeah. so not, so not the Wim Hof method. <laughs> no, not the Wim Hof method before a dive. It's so funny. All the rules mean my dad and uh, mom were breaking they, yeah. uh, in the water that, that we found out uh, oh. all these safety rules. So what when you, hyper so yeah, what was the deal? Why, why no hyperventilating? Cause physiologically it sort of added up 
and mm-hmm. and and you saw a change with the Wim Hof method, but it sort of depended, I guess, on the circumstances a little bit more. Yeah. So hyperventilation, you're breathing off all your CO2. Yeah. That respiratory center for CO2 doesn't notice that it's low. Um, and it seems like that's a benefit, but we have to remember that there's a reason why there's, there's a preset. Yeah. Right. There, there's a protective mechanism there. So when you breathe off your CO2 from a hyperventilation, then you go in the water and you start diving. Um, you don't get that urge like, Hey, like it's time to breathe. You kind of feel good. And then all of a sudden you'll just pass out. You just go dark and you pass out. So it's very, very dangerous that we found out. (laughs) Oh man. Um, so there's there's the little caveat for the the warning at the beginning. Don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got your <laughs> got some stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. There was actually a time. Um, so when my parents uh, got back from their trip, they they ended up uh, getting a house again, and uh, me and my dad were doing uh, hydrotherapy. So we had he had a hot, he has a hot tub, and then we we got this uh, this essentially a garbage bin and filled it with ice. Yeah. So we're doing Wim Hof in the hot tub and then hopping in the uh, cold plunge. Um, and then coming back out and then kind of going back and forth. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, in the hot tub, doing the Wim Hof, actually passed out. Um, and th- thank God my dad was there. This was before we did the class and we, we knew we uh, knew all the yeah, yeah. safety um, points of this. So I passed out and was kind of like sliding back into the hot tub. My dad was lucky enough there, pulled Jeez. me out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you definitely have to be careful uh, is- doing some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, how, how fast of an effect it can have and how mm-hmm. much you can sort of use these, use these methods or techniques, I guess, to sort of steer the ship, so to speak, all yeah. these things, which are typically just auto-regulated mm-hmm. on, on autopilot, but you can sort of leverage your breathing in, in certain specific ways to, to sort of get different results, be them good or bad, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, yeah. So, so cool. Um, so yeah, we did that course, uh, in Toronto and there was like some criteria you had to pass. You had to do a two minute underwater breath hold. You had to swim, um, it was like 60 meters under the water without coming up for air. Um, I think there, there might've been one more, I forget. Um, but yeah, me and my dad are so competitive. We were like, I was going to black out under that water just to beat him, <laughs> uh, but he would always beat me. And actually my mom, uh, killed the class too. Did a really good job. So, um, that's awesome. yeah, it was so much fun. If anybody wants to check it out, I'll, I'll link the, uh, the company that does them in the show notes because they do a whole bunch of cool stuff. There's like free diving competitions you can do even here uh, in Ontario and Toronto. Um, I think, I think they go to Lake Superior. I want to say Ontario. Yeah. Lake Ontario. Actually, yeah, it's probably Lake Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very, very fun sport. That'd be a whole nother cold experience for you. (laughs) Though Georgia Bay is pretty flipping cold too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Up in Penetang. Be some good practice. Um, but it was interesting in that course, they talked about the, some of the benefits that, uh, we've, we've already discussed with the, the EPO increase and the, the spleen contractions. And even just like when you're diving down under the water, the pressure, like we talked about your, your lungs actually, um, like condense and collapse the deeper and deeper you go. Right. Um, and then you get that spleen, um, the pressure on the spleen, the deeper and deeper you go. And it's just against secreting out more, uh, red blood cells. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That is, that's super wild. Mm-hmm. So you got a whole family of, uh, of, of breath practices and, yeah. uh, and, and performers there. That's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, then from there, uh, really found, um, a love for the breathing techniques that weren't just for performance, like for, for relaxation and, um, 
decreasing stress, like maybe before uh, something like this, like a podcast, I would do some, some box breathing or some, you know, four, eight breathing or, or something where we talked about um, is going to decrease that sympathetic nervous system response and increase that parasympathetic nervous response. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. I have the, the luxury of, I have a aura ring so I can track my heart rate variability, which is just the um, measure of your autonomic state, I would call it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing a relaxing breathing session, a um, CO2 tolerance and O2, a low O2 tolerance um, breathing practices. It always improves my HRV. I always get come out in a more balanced state. Yeah. And um, it's kind of paradoxically said because it, it, the, the, the balanced state that you're referring to is actually one of increased variability between your heart, heart rate. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, just give people a bit of the rundown because the heart rate variability, you know, is, is, is a pretty top popular topic, but not perhaps for everybody. So what is it in, in terms like in a definition sort of sense of, of yeah. the measurement? So heart rate variability is literally just that it's the variability of time in between uh, beats. Mm -hmm. So if you have a greater variability in between beats, um, you'll have a higher uh, heart rate variability and they would, uh, uh, that would be associated with a higher parasympathetic response. Gotcha. Um, and then the, the opposite is said for a uh, decrease in heart rate variability. You have a decrease in the time, um, the frequency of the time in between beats. Uh, it's almost like, like when your heart rate increases, like yeah. that's, a, that's a relative sympathetic response. And when your heart rate is increasing, the variability between beats is like nothing, right? It's, it's so constant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of comes back to that reflex you were talking about in the structure, uh, part of this uh the bainbridge bainbridge reflex yeah yeah so when we um when the diaphragm domes down we see and domes up we see changes in in the heart rate um variability yeah and, and that's associated with you know if we're we're in a calming state and we're taking deeper breaths uh um we're going to see more change in that in that heart rate and heart rate variability mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's super interesting I was doing a little bit of reading uh, into some of like the heart rate variability uh, and, and some breathing techniques or practices to help utilize uh, or, or improve the outcome for your heart rate variability for, you know, soothing, calming effects or, or increasing the parasympathetic nervous system uh, activity in the body in general. And, and it seemed that uh, the depth of your breath didn't seem to have as much of an influence as much as the rhythms of it did, which... Mm. When, when we're talking about like the four, seven, eight, or the, you know, the box breathing, which, you know, I, I think we should get into a little bit more. Like it, it's, it's sort of interesting in that uh, the rhythm is really what helps the, or sort of speaks to your system, to your nervous system. Um, and, and you had mentioned to me earlier, that was sort of like that, that sort of vestigial sort of limbic system. That's just, it, it just deals with rhythms and, and, uh, and, and helps sort of regulate everything autonomically. Yeah. Automatically, right. There's something super interesting. Uh, the body loves, uh, like you said, rhythms. So you even see it with like your circadian rhythm. If you're uh, Andrew Huberman uh, on Instagram posted a super interesting study from, um, I want to say it was Harvard, but getting, so if you, they looked at a week of sleep, if someone was getting, you know, eight hours here, 10 hours here, four hours there, kind of all over the place, but the volume was more an individual who was just getting six, 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 five, six, the individual who um, had more consistency with the, with their circadian rhythm actually increased their performance. Mm. Um, and I was looking, I uh, watched a Ted talk uh, um, on sleeping practices. 
Mm-hmm. So you, I, I don't know if the listeners have heard this before, but like listening to white or pink noise while you sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. White noise is pretty, yeah. Everyone loves mm-hmm. or hates it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they looked at uh, pink noise uh, was better than white noise, but then also pink noise that fluctuated up and down um, uh, with the uh, waves of the brain was the best. Yeah. Um, so there's something interesting where when you're in a, 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 a rhythm, um, the body feels secure and safe because there isn't changes. That, that's what I, that's what I think at least is yeah. happening there. Mm. It knows it, it, it it's familiar and it, and it has that sort of that rhythm to depend on. And it's not, not having to accommodate or change in mm-hmm. reaction to a change in rhythm. Yeah. There's like a, like a less, it doesn't have to anticipate as much. Like whenever yeah, you're sleeping yeah. and you all of a sudden wake up suddenly, like there's a chance that was just a loud noise that woke you up or something move or shifted. Um, yeah. And then instantly your body's like, we're up, we're ready to go. Like, well, what's going on? We're in survival mode. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. When it's just that level of balance and consistency. And you see it with the breath as well. Um, there's just this level of almost telling the central nervous system that you're safe to relax. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry, you can turn down the fight or flight response. Yeah. And settle in and, and get into that parasympathetic state. Yeah. Yeah. And restore. That's, That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it, it is. It's super wild. And mm-hmm. like with the, yeah, that, um, that breathing in general, I guess is a bit of a principle. I, I recall uh, learning that the, if you focus a little bit more on the exhale, then there's another, you know, better way to help leverage than this, the parasympathetic response. Mm-hmm. If you're sort of focused on the exhale, making it smoother, longer than the inhale, or than a hold per se, then you're going to get a little bit more of a parasympathetic reaction. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, leverage it in that way as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're, we're talking about like the, the four, seven, eight breathing, you have a nice long exhale. So it's four seconds breathing in seven seconds, holding eight seconds on the exhale. And you get that nice, slow, calming, soothing sort of reaction. And if you're able to maintain that, that rhythm of it, then it's going to, you know, have a greater effect even more. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Cool. Um, and there's just something interesting with that autonomic nervous system that I think it's important to note. Uh, you can see it in some uh, physiology textbooks, textbooks where it talks about like, it's either, it's kind of like a teeter totter where your sympathetics on your parasympathetics off and, yeah, yeah. and then your you know, parasympathetics on your sympathetics off. Um, it's not really like that. It's kind of like they drive up together. So if you, if you look at uh, the preganglionic neuron of the sympathetic yeah. versus the parasympathetic, these things activate together. And yeah. then where, where one of them gets inhibited, is at the where it connects with the postganglionic neuron, and then the the tissue response, um, it'll be either sympathetic or parasympathetic. But the actual how these two systems rise and fall, they rise and fall together. It's just the uh, expression that we see is kind of like a teeter totter. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's like when we're talking about breathing techniques, it's not necessarily you're turning off your sympathetic nervous system versus you know, or turning off your sympathetic. It's yeah. that you're allowing the body to. Um, better express the, the one, one that we, the that, yeah, the one that would be more adv- advantageous for that, uh, that situation. It's difficult to, to conceptualize that because like in, in conversation, in, in an education capacity, or just like one person to another, oftentimes it, the parasympathetic and sympathetic are spoken of almost in like a switch as if it's like one or the other. But then, you know, you learn a little bit more about it and it's like, well, no, it, it, you know, then the, the, that imagery of a teeter totter becomes a little bit more, the, a better understanding or more true understanding, but that, you know, isn't even necessarily how it actually functions. You're saying they both sort of come up together 
and then one one gets sort of held down while the other then takes over and, and crashes over as a as a as a response in the the system or the organ. Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love to hear your experience. I know you're you're just mm -hmm. starting to get into these uh, uh, breathing practices and techniques and that, but I'd love to hear um, your your experience with it. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I don't have a, an in-depth experience by any means. Um, I've only been sort of playing around with uh, with one most recently. Um, I, you know, I've always been interested in it. Uh, I feel like I wish, I, I wish that I had known the significance of it beforehand when I was still, you know, competing as an athlete, um, or, or, you know, training with any sort of rigor, I feel like it would have been a really helpful thing, um, to, to leverage and, and sort of steer the ship in a way in which that you're, you know, trying to achieve your goals. Um, but right now I'm just trying to, um, just play around with it more in an experimental kind of way. So I came across, um, uh, Patrick McAllen's work. Uh, and so he talks, uh, he's got a book out called, uh, the oxygen advantage. And he speaks about, uh, a method called the Buteco method, um, which came out of the, the, uh, USSR, I believe out of Russia. And, um, it's sort of a, more on the CO2 capacity side of things where you're increasing the tissue tolerance for CO2, um, by utilizing breath holds. Um, but you're doing it in a different way. It's kind of, I, in a, in a, I guess in some ways, it's kind of like an inverse of, of Wim Hof's method where you're not, you're not hyperventilating or taking oxygen in at all. They, in fact, sort of are talking about promoting a little bit like less, less breathing. So you're breathing shallow, you're trying to breathe slow, and you're trying to capture the CO2 within your system to then allow for uh, the opportunity of, of, of your tissues to then adapt to that CO2 gathering within your body. Um, cause we, yeah, we had talked earlier about how like, you know, you're, you're, you have that auto regulatory sort of level of CO2 in your system. And, uh, once you achieve that, then your body starts to stimulate, you know, faster, harder breathing to expel that CO2. Um, but if you're looking at performance base, you're, you're sort of doing yourself a disservice, uh, in not being able to retain CO2 or your tissues aren't able to cope with increased levels. So as soon as you start to exercise, you're going to have a sooner drive for, uh, for, for heavy breathing versus somebody who has a good tissue tolerance. So that's what this sort of breathing method is all about. Um, mm. and when you're, yeah, when you're sort of talking about your experience diving, I feel like it's, uh, it could be a really great method to, to leverage because as you get more proficient in the practice, they, they sort of have you integrate, uh, these sort of breath hold techniques or breathing techniques with walking first, then sort of like, you know, speed walking all sort of to with the goal of generating a little bit more co2 build up and uh production through the muscle action um and then as you sort of go on then you can try to integrate this into jogging and then you know into running or, or repeated effort sprints that kind of a thing as your as your tissues and and your system and as a whole starts to adapt mm -hmm. um and so i always think of <laughs> i love it because i always think about there, there was one reference that they, 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 that Patrick McCown had mentioned in his, in his book of a cheetah. And it's just, you know, a cheetah is not breathing through its mouth when it's chasing down a gazelle. And the first thing that I thought of was like, you know, the, the human comparison of like a friggin' cornerback or a safety chasing down like a wide receiver. And just, I had this mental image of this dude, just like full friggin' robot machine, like no emotion no breathing through his mouth, just like an absolute animal, just devouring, you know, the wide receiver, how intimidating that would be as a, as a, as a wide receiver, seeing somebody coming at you 
just calm phase, breathing through the nose, completely composed in their, you know, in their, their body and able to catch up and, and take you down. It's pretty, pretty intense. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because like, after practicing the scenario you just described is like a scenario that individuals might not have seen before. Like if you're at the gym, you don't really see people who are really exercising hard and not breathing heavily through their mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with practice the, uh, and what we've talked about here with the, the physiology is that there's a, there's might be benefit to, to getting this figured out and, and um, just breathing through your nose from that yeah. perspective that you just described. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. uh, you know, evolutionarily it's, that's what it's there for, you know, it's, it, you know, the adage that we had mentioned earlier is for, you know, noses for breathing, noses for eating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's all sorts of, you know, physiological improvements that come with it. So as you're, you know, breathing more through your nose, you're getting that release of nitric oxide through, you know, stimulation of the, the, uh, nasal and, and sinus epithelial cells, which then creates a, you know, dilatory effect on all the, the blood vessels and, there's increased, uh, you know, co-contractions with your diaphragm. If you're breathing through the nose, there's all sorts of neural mechanisms then that, you know, create vasodilation and cerebral arteries, which then facilitates better, uh, better delivery of nutrients and oxygen to the brain, which then, you know, increases your awareness and, and feeds back into then that whole goal of, of, uh, you know, being healthy, being alert, being more aware and being more capable to achieve whatever, you know, it is that you're looking to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty simple, like that's the beauty of it. It's the, the simplicity of, of what your practice is of, of what breathing practices are. Um, you just trying to leverage one system or another, or one method or another to, uh, to change the effect, uh, mm-hmm. or to integrate it in a more specific way. So, so. have with the, uh, Bitega method, have you tried the, the walks and the, the holds on the exhales and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing like, I've been doing stuff in the basement. It's pretty cold out. So I, I don't get out for walks too often, but I'm really looking forward to cracking into it in the spring. Um, so what I have been doing is, um, you know, during a training session, just not opening my mouth like mm-hmm. at all. That's, you know, no water. I'll take water sips here and there, but you're not, you know, not meant to be breathing regularly through your mouth because there's just a, a deceiving amount of, of CO2 that gets expelled just by having your mouth open and the pressure changes that occur just from regular movement. Um, so I'll, I'll do, you know, a bout of exercise, uh, like a set of squats and then, you know, a superset of something and, and then try to recover, uh, just breathing through my nose. But the goal for me initially is, uh, is not to be, you know, panting or huffing and puffing through the nose as odd as that sounds, but to be able to maintain and control then that breath so that you're, 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 you know, retaining the CO2 still and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, creating that adaptation. So. How do you find, how do you find the experience? Like, um, when, when you're like building this, this up, um, yeah. or you're on a walk and, and, you know, you breathe out and you hold your breath and you start walking. How do you, how do you, how would you describe that anecdotally yourself? The, the experience of the feeling you get. Yeah. 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 It, it's an interesting feeling. Cause at first you're like, Oh yeah, not so bad. Like, you know, a couple seconds in, you're like, Oh, I got this. I got this a couple more steps. And they're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, you get those, you know, reflexive contractions of your diaphragm or, you know, that, that's the, the swallowing sort of reflexes where your body's grit, you know, trying to gasp for some air. Um, and, and you're really kind of struggling, uh, which is, it's a painful thing to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely something that I still got to get through because it's, it's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard thing to, to practice, but it's, you know, you see the, you see the change quite quickly. 
Um, and there's different ways to monitor it by, you know, your steps and, uh, or, or, you know, by time or, or things like that. Um, but you can see change pretty quickly because your, your body adapts and that's just how it goes. Super, mm-hmm. super fun. But it's damn uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, I would almost describe it. And I know everybody experiences anxiety, um, differently, but I would yeah. almost describe it as it's very anxiety provoking when you're holding mm-hmm. your breath, you, you know, your, your diaphragm starting to contract the, the feeling and, um, experience that I, I personally feel is almost like this level of anxiety where it's like, <laughs> breathe, breathe, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and I, you start eye shifting around and yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, uh, uh, Wim Hof and his method is, is very much geared towards, um, individuals who struggle with anxiety and panic attacks and depression. Mm-hmm. And that was like hit one of his big, um, goals. I don't want to put any words in his mouth again. I'll, uh, you can check out the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting when you look at, um, what the, are the symptoms of a anxiety or a panic attack? Again, I know it's very different for everybody, but, mm-hmm. um, like hyperventilation is one of the symptoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the increase in body temperature, um, like the panic and the, um, what's the, what I'm looking for, like just the heat, um, build up and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's interesting when you're practicing the symptoms, um, individuals, at least anecdotally under Wim Hof, uh, notice huge impacts on their mental health. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's almost like you're, you're, you're just practicing being in the situation and then how to kind of come in and out and navigate through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a, there is like a big physiological, you know, cascade that sort of is released through, through that with regularity, you know, in with the, 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 uh, research in HRV, uh, heart rate variability with the, the breathing that they're able to, to sort of instruct, I guess, by, by rhythm, um, it, it suppresses a certain amount of, um, a certain amount of, I can't recall how he described it, sort of like a break essentially on, on your heart rate and it, and it suppresses them reflexes within your system, which allows them more calming, soothing effect to last for a longer period of time outside of the, the period where you're actually actively practicing that breath technique. Uh, and the same is, is true for Wim Hof and, mm-hmm. and for uh, this Buteco method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the other books that I've been reading is, is, uh, the application of that method for things like stress, anxiety, uh, panic attacks and stuff like that. And, uh, it's difficult because the anecdotally is kind of all we have to work with because who wants to fund the study that's going to say, Oh, all you have to do is practice this cheap, effective at home breathing method. And then you won't need any frigging drugs to (laughs) to, to manage your mood, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or manage all sorts of things that, that, that they they speak about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult piece. But there's definitely something there. Yeah, um, big time. And even just when you were describing the Buteco method and the Wim Hof method and how they're kind of uh, paradox paradoxical to each other. Yeah, um, yeah. The Wim Hof method, if you go on the website and uh, like I just looked at how they describe what's happening uh, physiologically and they describe it very close. Um, again, go check it out. This is just how I interpreted it. Um, very close to a CO2 tolerance type of physiological change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting one to try and pin down because it is kind of hyperventilation. So you're breathing off a lot of CO2, but at mm-hmm. the same time, because you're taking such deep breaths, like after that 30, 60 seconds of breathing, your diaphragm's like tired, yeah, right? So yeah. you are still working the, a muscle, right? And it's a very big muscle, the diaphragm. So you are building CO2, um, to a degree. And then because you, um, have that period where 
um, your uh, respiratory center isn't really detecting CO2. Mm -hmm. um, you can hold your breath for that long time. So from that kind of perspective, it's like you, you are practicing a CO2 state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then the Buteco method would be like, whoa, 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 don't do that. That's that, that's like a bad idea. It's, um, yeah. we're actually going to hold on an exhale with, with no hyperventilation before I want to build CO2 as quickly as possible so that we can, um, increase that tolerance. And yeah. what I really loved about his method is that, uh, that I didn't think about was, um, on the exhale and then making sure when you do inhale at the end of your, um, hold you're inhaling through the nose. Cause then you're getting yes. that nitric oxide, um, all the way down into the, into the lungs. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to see like they're almost the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In, in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, they, they always emphasize that not just, uh, with the Buteco method, they always emphasize like the over breathing aspect and, and trying to part a big part, I think of their message as a, as an institution and, and, and like a, a technique or method of breathing is trying to bring awareness to how many of us are chronic over breathers. Um, and, and, you know, they don't mean to, I don't think, um, sort of criminalize any one, one group or, or, or anything like that, but by taking deep breaths regularly, you're feeding into that, that, you know, that, that, um, sort of cycle of over breathing. Mm. Um, and one thing that I thought was really cool that I didn't notice in myself until I read the book was, um, people who are chronic over breathers, you may not notice, um, but there are certain little things that you're, you, you might experience or do throughout your day to help your body offload carbon dioxide, sub, like unconsciously. Um, so I never, I, I never found that I was breathing a lot through my mouth and I would always end up, you know, breathe through my nose just naturally anyways, which was great. So I would get a buildup of CO2, but then throughout the day I would, you know, I would get, you know, periods where I'd be yawning, like in the middle of the day and, or I'd get a big sigh. I'd be, you know, talking in a conversation. I wasn't tired, but I would just get, you know, big inhale, big exhale. And that's your body's, you know, way to subconsciously get around that, you know, to offload that CO2 that's building up that it's not happy or not comfortable with in your system. So a big piece was getting that, that of the, their sort of method was, you know, understanding some of your habits that you don't even know that you have um, to help truly get a change or an adaptation in your system. Um, you know, catch yourself when you go to take a big yawn try not to take a big breath with that yawn, which is the hardest thing to do. It's like, <laughs> it ruins yawning. It absolutely ruins. I used to love taking a nice big yawn, relax after stretch, mm -hmm. you know, but, but if you're really wanting to stay true to, to getting an adaptation or making a change in your system, you gotta be, you know, you gotta see where your blind spots are and, and make changes all, all the way around. Um, so it's kind of challenging, but it's fun. That's so cool. Like uh, being able to identify, uh, with just these little things, like how many times did you yawn today? How many times did you sigh oh, today? Yeah, um, maybe yeah. there's a CO2 tolerance issue there, um, which is interesting. I've heard individuals talk about sighing a lot throughout the day as a um, autonomic uh, um, like uh, stimulus. Mm -hmm. So like for an individual who's stressed a lot throughout the day, they might sigh because of that, that influence. Mm-hmm. Um, where the advice then is like, don't be afraid, take the sigh, take a couple seconds, right. To, to relax, do the autonomic change that the sigh will, will provide. Um, so yeah, it's almost like, yeah. like, 
again, the, the importance here is on assessment. And I'm not even 100% sure how you'd be able to tell the difference between if it's a CO2 issue or an autonomic stress issue or maybe both or both. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. And I, I was even trying to think about for the athlete perspective, mm-hmm. um, like I said, using breathing techniques, you know, before, during, after exercise or as a recovery tool outside of exercise, it's like, well, which one do I use? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it, it's going to depend on what you need. Right. So yeah. the study I described, these, these individuals are using hyperventilation. Maybe if you're an individual, you have a hard time pumping yourself up, mm-hmm. then a hyperventilation technique might be we'll um, advantageous. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time, if you're an individual who uh, experiences a lot of fatigue and, and uh, muscle soreness and during the workout, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you take slow, deep breaths because you want to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. You want to speed the uh, recovery in between, Mm -hmm. in between sets. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Or maybe you do, um, your issue is, uh, uh, CO2 tolerance where your muscles just aren't getting enough oxygen. Um, so you, so you do breath holds before your exercise, Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. To stimulate the offload. So there's a whole bunch of different ways you could think about it. And I don't even know how you could go about assessing what the issue is. Um, but the best way to do it is to try them and see, see if you notice, uh, a positive or a negative influence on, on your training. Yeah. 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 Everybody's so individualized where they're at in their abilities, uh, you know, uh, for, for fitness or, or performance or anything like that. So it's anecdotally, I think is, is incredibly relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, do trying it out, experimenting with yourself, seeing what you have, uh, seeing what you respond to. Um, that's going to be one of the best ways I think, yeah, to, to get through, uh, through to make some changes and, and, uh, you know, get on your way to improving, to achieve whatever goals it is that you're, you have set out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, it's just, you know, have an intent, like have a, a purpose. Have it's intent, like yeah. for your warm up, what's the intent for this warm up, right? Mm-hmm. If for, you know, rest, uh, rest in between exercises, like, well, what's your intent? Well, what are you trying to focus on in this rest? Are you trying to hyperventilate, you know, pump yourself up for the next set? Are you trying to do the opposite, calm yourself down? And, or um, like when I used to train teams and stuff, these young kids, right? So it would drive me crazy. Like they're all over, you know, uh, talking to each other on their phones, blah, blah, blah. It's like trying to explain, no, 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 have an intent, have an intent, like be mindful about what's going on. And yeah. maybe it is, you know, the intent of that rest set is to uh, build some team camaraderie and you know what I mean? Have fun with the guys and, you know, start uh, like develop that aspect. But again, try and think about what you want to do with yeah. the, the a lot of time that you have, whether warm up, rest set, um, recovery session, um, uh, after workout cool down. Like I yeah. always think like uh, cool downs um, before I was introduced to breathing was always like, like stretching and you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, Static stretch, a foam roll. Uh, yeah. 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 But if you come back, around. come back to that question of, you know, how does your body self heal and self-regulate through the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system? So mm-hmm. after that workout, if you can get yourself into a parasympathetic state faster, like how many of us are, uh, right after our workout, we hop in our car, we grab our smoothie, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? like driving a car is super stressful. Even, even subconsciously, it might, you might not notice it, but you're never yeah. allowing your body or an athlete. Um, you know, I, I got to shoot, I got to practice, I got to work out, never allowing the body to come down before it comes back up, come down before it comes back up. Let's recover a little bit before, you know, when you, you know what I mean? Before we get moving again. Yeah. 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 So it's on high alert whether yeah whether you notice it or in a in a fatiguing way or not it's on high alert yeah mm-hmm. and i think a big piece like what you had said you know just having intent it's, it's these little these little changes 
in your intent, then that make your outcomes that much more noticeable. Mm -hmm. Just like with that, that, that study that you had sort of looked at, you know, I think you said 20 to 50% increase. Yeah. Like, like that's a huge, that's a huge change. And if you were able to leverage that change intentfully with each single rep that you were doing or each set that you were doing of your exercise or, or training bout, you know, the, the, the potential there for gain over a longer term, if you're looking at doing longer term changes as in your, you know, development would be monumental. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're only really training for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two at a time. It doesn't take that much more extra planning, I feel, to, to really then take that you know, and, and increase then the, the changes that come from that short period of time in your day. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Super fun. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a, if you have, if you have a strength coach or personal trainer, maybe I start to ask them about the, the, this stuff. Like, hey, what what is our intent in this warm up Like, I want to start to learn a little bit. Um, Get your money's worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, is there any other practical aspects of this that, that you'd like to toss in there? I don't think so. Nothing. I mean, no. Like it, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is is really interesting and, and it's still new. So you know, digesting it is is uh, and implementing it is. Like I said, I wish I had access to it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think about the times that, you know, playing football, you know, when you have a couple of seconds or you have, you know, a couple of minutes, if you're, you know, off on the sideline while D's on or O-line's on or something like that, where you get to then have that minute or two minutes to, to reset and come out with intent again, or, mm-hmm. you know, when you have downtime playing, depending on your position in rugby, like you could, I, I feel like you could have had so much more of a better experience as an athlete, uh, to, if, if you have and, and utilize some of these things mm-hmm. so it's a great point look into it we're gonna have a good show notes section yeah and again like if you're a strength coach if you're a personal trainer if you're a manual therapist um you know who's allowed to prescribe stuff at home um maybe look into this stuff like if you have somebody with an acute injury and you know you, there's like certain stuff you can't do maybe you add some some breathing into it um yeah. or yourself you, you yourself have an acute injury and maybe you you know, you can't do the squats you were doing or whatever, but you can still, you know, spend 20 minutes doing some uh, breathing exercises to influence the healing process and to, ma- uh, to maintain fitness and um, all that stuff. Like, yeah. It's such a powerful tool. Yeah. Super mm. cool. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. All right, man. Three podcasts about breathing. Holy. Long, long <laughs> that was so much fun though. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, awesome. Well, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, um, every episode here. We had a lot of fun digging into, you know, the research and, uh, these books and, um, learning a little bit uh, more ourselves, um, yeah. which is always, always a fun, uh, a fun experience. And would love to hear from anybody else as well. If, if yeah. you guys have, have anything to interject or anything else to, to add in stuff that we haven't, haven't come across, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. definitely interested to, to get more resources on in, in our hands as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Stefan. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Have a good week, brother. Yeah, man, you too. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or have a topic you'd like me and Stefan to tackle, you can find us on Instagram at whyitdependspodcast. Email us at whyitdepends at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at www.thewhyitdependspodcast.com for detailed show notes with all the references and resources discussed in each and every episode. 
Do not hesitate to send us a message. We'd love to get to know you. Cheers and stay healthy.